This should be a nice short episode. Wait, who's the guest? Dang it! This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. In this episode, episode 43, we are speaking with Neil Shuck of Meeples and Miniatures. Neil, how are you? Good morning, Jay. Uh, I, I am very well, thank you. Uh, it, uh, it is uh, unnaturally warm for the time of year in the UK. Uh, so we are sweltering in temperatures that most of the rest of the world would seem to be normal. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think we're actually going to have uh, a little bit warmer than y'all because I we we took a look before we started recording. You're at seventy two degrees Fahrenheit. That is in real people temperatures, and I am also at seventy two Fahrenheit. But it is six hours earlier in the day, and we're looking for thunderstorms and ninety degrees Fahrenheit by noon. So. That's living in the in the Midwest of the U.S. That's just how it is. But the uh, the heat is and he, well, what's your humidity like there? In, uh, humidity oh. in old Leicester town. Uh, yeah, humidity is, is an interesting one. Uh, generally, the uh, uh, generally uh, one of the problems with the UK is is not so much the uh, is not so much. Uh, the uh, temperature as the humidity. Right at the moment, uh, we're looking at what is it, 20, 27 degrees. Uh, hang on, I, need to, I just need to click on the find out what my my good old weather app is saying on humidity. Uh, here we go, man. Here we go. The, the sound effects of, of of a man looking at something on the internet. <laughs> Uh, okay, we've got thirty. Uh, we got thirty nine. Thirty nine percent humidity. Mm. Uh, which is kind we of... are, which isn't ain't too bad in my book. We are currently rocking eighty three percent in Fair Pleasant Hill. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> so warm and sticky. Now, granted, yes. So. <laughs> Granted, I am three miles from the mighty Mississippi River, and that's an awful lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're about halfway down the Mississippi River here, and it's about... Uh, it's probably half a mile across here, and somewhat deep, so yeah, that's, that's a fair bit of water to evaporate in, into the air. But And we're going to get some of that back as precipitation today, so... Anyhow, speaking of humidity and heat and precipitation, we are talking about gaming during the Vietnam War today. And there's a couple aspects of, of that era and gaming in that era, in that place, uh, in that time that uh, I want to touch on. Um, weather was certainly a factor, and maybe we can touch on that a little bit, because I don't think... Um, did you see that article that I wrote uh, for Henry? Uh, yeah, about mission analysis, and I'll have a link to this in the show notes for that. You know, weather is one of those factors that we rarely, rarely bring into our games, and I think that might be something interesting to explore. And it won't be terribly difficult with a Vietnam game because 
you know, maybe due to the heat, you've got an in- increased chance of uh, heat casualties or uh, maybe the weather, you know, precipitation affects your visibility, that sort of thing. So anyway, now anyone who's listened to the Meeple's Adventure Show for any time knows that you are quite the enthusiast for the Vietnam conflict. Uh, yeah, that, that's true, yeah. yeah. Can you really pinpoint where that interest came from? Well, uh Funny enough, as as part of preparation for today's show, I was looking uh, I was looking back at this. Um, I've always been a fan of modern era wargaming, uh, and uh, especially following my uh, break from Games Workshop gaming and looking at historical conflicts, uh, I was you know I, I wanted to look at modern wargaming. And at the time, uh, that kind of broke into uh, two areas. Uh, remember, this is before the Iraq War, uh, so uh, this is uh, this is kind of uh, late eighties. Uh, so, really, at the time, you were looking at something like perhaps uh, Mogadishu. Uh, so that was the obviously the um, uh, the 1993 right? or then other than that you were looking back to what was the I suppose at the time deemed the most recent modern war which was Vietnam uh, certainly with that of the western powers in, involved in you know, I mean you know ignoring things like um, things like uh, the Israeli wars and um, the Iran Iraq war and stuff like that uh and right. obviously, uh, late eighties was uh, a very popular uh, kind of well. Uh, 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 the eighties generally was a very popular time for Vietnam War films. Uh, you know, there were yes. Uh, you know that that, that seemed to be uh, you know, when when people were making war films in the eighties, it was all about the Vietnam War. So you know, watching yeah. it, obviously you know, platoon. Full Metal Jacket. Um, dare I say we tongue in cheek? Hamburger Hill. Hamburger Hill. Dare I say we tongue in cheek? Aliens. Uh, <laughs> well, well, why do you say tongue in cheek on Hamburger no, no, Hill? I'd uh, like to no, sorry, sorry, that, sorry. I meant tongue in cheek on Aliens, not tongue in cheek on Hamburger Hill. Uh, yeah. Oh, fair uh, enough. Yeah. Uh, no, because because um, you know, in interviews with interviews subsequently with James Cameron, he um, he certainly used. Uh, the Vietnam War as 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 a large influence on on how the colonial marines right. uh, appeared in Aliens, and it was it was it was almost an allegory on uh, on the Vietnam War. So, yeah. uh, and as that happens to be uh, one of my favorite films of all time. Anyway, uh, so well, yeah, it say, was. It, say what you will about Aliens, however, I have a hard time finding a more accurate portrayal of the way soldiers talk to one another than aliens. Yeah. I think the closest one, at least modern soldiers, the, the closest to that is the uh, HBO miniseries Generation Kill, yeah, which is set during the inv- uh, invasion of Iraq in 2003. So, in one of the things that really appeals to me about aliens is the way that the troops talk to one another, the way they, they don't hold their equipment in awe. 
they just use it and abuse it like Drake, you know, smacking the <laughs> smacking the camera against the the bulkhead of the carrier. Yeah. Um, just as an example, uh, yeah, Aliens is a great movie, and I could definitely see it as a. There are aspects of it that you can view as an analog to the Vietnam War, and there are aspects that certainly are not. But um, I, I think you're going to find it very rare for one of our listeners of of either of our shows that doesn't like Aliens. <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, I mean, I I, 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 I know this is a digression. Uh, hey, I'm on the show. And is, we're, yeah, we're do, we're digressing in a conversation. Shock horror. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I still find it incredible. But considering that film is uh, what third, well, be thirty years old now. Um, that uh, to my mind, there still hasn't been a better sci-fi action film, and uh, which I'm, yeah, I, I find um, amazing. Uh, however, that we digress. So yeah, uh, yes, <laughs> indeed. Um, yeah. So, so speaking real, real quick. The Vietnam War definitely influenced an author by the name of David Drake with his Hammer Slammer yeah. series. David Drake was an intelligence officer with, was it the 11th Armored Cavalry Regiment uh, in Vietnam? And a lot of what he experienced, uh, either directly or indirectly, ended up in the Hammer Slammer's novels. And, uh, Last time I talked with Henry on his show, I mentioned that I I know where he <laughs> got you know the name of Buzz Bombs, for example, because of the buzzing sound they make, and that's that's exactly what an RPG sounds like when it goes by you. It it, it makes a buzzing sound. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, there's definitely Vietnam in there. There's definitely uh, some people have called Star Grunt, which I can literally reach out and touch my copy of Star Grunt. Oh yeah, uh, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people have called Stargrunt Vietnam in space. I'm mm. fine with that because it's a cracking good set of rules, but it's not a Vietnam set because there's a lot of there's a lot of things about Vietnam that I that it doesn't really touch on, and it's not supposed to. It's just, I guess, for lack of a better term, from a putting on my military instructor hat uh, for a moment, the tactics that the U.S. Army developed during World War One, as far as small unit tactics at the squad and platoon level, they were perfected during Vietnam. The, the battle drills and reaction drills that we use today are virtually unchanged from the Vietnam era. The, the reacting to contact, breaking contact, reacting to ambush, uh, squad attack, platoon attack, those were all those were all perfected in Vietnam, and like I say, they 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 work mm. and they still work. And even though we've got you know ostensibly the same weapon, I mean, for crying out loud, the VM4 that you know I carried in in Afghanistan is basically a, a Car 15, which is a shortened version of the original M16. An M16A1, mm. you know. Aside from body armor and upgraded radios, you know, we're, we were basically fighting in Afghanistan with weapons that, you know, people of my dad's generation carried in Vietnam. 
So it, it's it definitely and the the after effects. I mean, the political and societal after effects of Vietnam cannot be mm. understated. That's for sure. Um, at the moment, I know how Netflix adds and drops things from time to time. At the time of recording, Ken Burns' The Vietnam War is on Netflix, and I've been watching it, and it's it's pretty gut-wrenching if, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, Have you seen I've it, seen Neil? some of it. Uh, I've seen. I, th- I think. It, I think it was the first three episodes. So I'm. I'm. I'm in the middle of it because I didn't realize. Because uh, the the edited version was uh, was shown on the BBC earlier in the year, uh, and I caught. Mm-hmm. Um, I caught uh, about three. Uh, three. I, I didn't realize it was on until very late, uh, and I, I only caught it on their 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 catch-up service and so managed to pick up a couple of episodes on that mm-hmm. and then i only have to uh, notice it was netflix when uh, when you tweeted about it the other week uh so uh, i'll be waiting for it to come mm-hmm. out on dvd uh, or to buy it on dvd i know it's out on dvd but i was waiting to buy it on dvd but with the fact it's now on yeah. netflix uh yeah it's 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 on my watch list but my uh so uh yeah i need to get it sorted pretty quickly but yeah it is uh, well, I suppose in the same way that, for its time, the World at War was the definitive documentary on World War Two. I think this is uh, this is probably the definitive yes. uh, the, the definitive documentary series on the Vietnam War. Uh, you know, uh, uncomfortable truths for in uh, for, yeah for some people and all. I think yeah, it, you know, with the fact that it, it it's exhaustive in its uh, in its research and looks at things from both sides uh yeah it's it, it is a most excellent series really impressed with it so far you know um i watch well with the civil war you know where he i'm not gonna say where he got to start but where he made his name uh with the civil war being on netflix and me owning the dvds i i watch the civil right. war once a year and because it's it's worth watching and uh, one of these days, one of these days, I'm gonna become such a popular podcaster of such great note and and popularity that I'll have Ken Burns on the show and I'll ask him to uh, release the unedited Shelby Foot and uh, Edward Beers footage as separate DVDs. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, but. Well, you're you're rubbing off on me because here we are, 15 minutes into the show, and we haven't talked about yeah. Gaming. I was going to I was just looking up, thinking, hang on a second, you asked me how I got into it, and we're 15 <laughs> minutes in, and I still haven't finished answering the question. Uh, yeah, it's typical. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, okay, so that's where that again. I'll, <laughs> Get on with it. Oh, now you're channeling Mr. Luff at me. I feel right at home. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> right. Okay. So, as I say, so that was kind of where my influence was, was all coming from. Now, um, interesting. Say this morning, uh, I, um, at the time when I decided to get into the Vietnam conflict, uh, actually there wasn't an awful lot of it around. Um, be searching for this morning, looking around now, and the there are, and obviously we'll be talking about this, but uh, gaming in Vietnam is an awful lot more accessible now than it was. I wrote uh, uh, mm. an article for my uh, for my web page. Uh, I started I started first writing uh, writing on the web. Uh, if people remember that far back and remember my my website, it was earthquake skirmish pages uh, in two thousand and three. 
And mm. in 2005, uh, I wrote uh, a, a, a blog post called uh, a, beginner's Guy, a Beginner's Guide to the Vietnam War, or Gaming the Vietnam War. Uh, and I was looking at gaming it in 28 mil. And that was based on okay. uh, my attempts from 2003 to 2005 to uh, look at, okay, what was available? Uh, what ranges could I get hold of? And uh, you know, so, uh, and I think at the time I managed to find, I think it was something like six manufacturers doing miniatures in 28 mil, uh, possibly um, a couple of companies doing buildings and vehicles. And that was it. But mm-hmm. that was 13 years ago. Uh, let's just say things. Let's just right. say things have changed a bit since then. <laughs> right. But that's how I that, that's how I got into it. It was a case of I wanted to do modern day, and the Vietnam War just mm-hmm. uh, 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 appealed as an interesting conflict and not something that was uh, particularly straightforward. Uh, but but it was it was very it, it's it, it was right. an interesting period. I um I'd studied. Uh, I studied history uh, in school. Uh, I did a two-year course in modern history as part of w- what were then O-levels in the UK. Uh, and uh, so the major part of that covered uh, World War II, but we did cover uh, post-war. Uh, and uh, again, uh, we did a section on the Vietnam War. So that's where my interest came. Okay, well, I think I think we can start talking a little bit about the history and... I, I really want to pin down what it is we mean by the Vietnam War, because there's certainly an argument to be made that you could start it with the, for lack of a better term, annexation of uh-huh. Indochina by the Japanese right, okay. during World War II. I mean, there's an argument to be made. I don't think most people would recognize that as the quote-unquote Vietnam War. There's definitely a stronger uh, there's definitely a stronger argument to be made about the reintroduction yeah, of the French. Uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 I must admit, in in my mind, that uh, yeah, from like fifty, from like was it fifty four? Um, maybe a bit earlier, but fifty uh, four. Well, yeah, DNB and uh, Fu yeah, was fifty four. Uh, yeah, I believe. it was kind of, I, I suppose, the height uh, um, of the issues. But, but yeah, certainly, uh, uh, certainly, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the French involvement in Indochina from a lot of people is almost kind of seen to be like the prelude to what a lot of people now think of as the Vietnam War, which is obviously the conflict from '65 onwards. But but um, right. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, Japanese involvement. Uh, I must admit, I don't know a lot about that stage of the uh, uh, that stage of it. Yeah, I I think for the for the sake of this show, uh, we can probably. I mean, that that's probably a an extreme example of yeah. how far one could go. I think, um, and I think for the sake of argument, I guess we could include French Indochina. I'm just not aware of anybody, you know, doing doing French figures of that era. I mean, you could certainly argue that you could do Korean War U.S. troops, but they've got weird submachine guns. You know? (laughs) There is one one company I have found that does it. Um, And that is... Yeah. uh, 
her Empress miniatures in the UK. Oh, uh, they are fantastic. Under license uh, from from FNG, uh, they uh, they produce uh, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam and French okay. uh, for Indochina. Uh, that I believe, as far as I'm aware, is the only example mm-hmm. of um, uh, of, fig- of, of miniatures. And and again, especially with the fact, the, the fact that the majority of their uh, their French figures are paratroopers. Again, they're looking at like Demon Few. So yeah, um, and I'm I'm a big uh, fan of Empress miniatures. I have just a few of their modern uh, U.S. infantry, which. <laughs> Well, now they're they're not even accurate anymore because they're wearing IOTVs and we don't use IOTVs anymore. Um, that's the. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how yeah. how quickly things move on, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. One of the bad things about if you want to stay modern, you've got to get new figures at least for the Americans every eighteen months because we change uniforms like mad bastards. But um, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Empress. Uh, like I said, I've got some of their modern U.S. infantry. And some of their some of their insurgents for a sometime game project or a project that I'll get to sometime. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's yeah that'd be interesting to do. I think as far as like actually gaming scenarios, uh, you know, you probably aren't gonna do DNB and Foo or a section of DNB and Foo, but there are I'm sure there are all sorts of uh, security patrols the French were doing. You know where they would bump into, you know, equal equal sized groups of Viet men, and that's that'd be easy enough to do. I would th- well, not easy enough, but certainly lend itself to that type of gaming. Yeah. So yeah, we could definitely make an argument there. And as far as American involvement, that's inarguable. I think once once you get American involvement, you can argue you've got the Vietnam War and. The, the wall in D.C. starts in 1958. And right. with uh, with uniformed and, you know, plain clothes, for lack of a better term, advisors. Uh, again, you're going to be looking at the same Viet Minh figures. I'm not sure what you would do for uh, for Arvin figures, if anything. But in reality, I think that for ease of getting figures and uh, you know un- unequivocally being the Vietnam War in all caps uh, you're probably looking at 1965 as you said earlier hmm. yeah I think it, uh, as you say I think 65 to 70, 72 73 uh, covers, mo- uh, covers most uh, most people I mean obviously uh, you could still game um, following the American withdrawal, uh, mm-hmm. although obviously it didn't it didn't go on for for too long after that. Uh, obviously, with just uh, MVA and Arvin forces, right? Uh, but uh, but at the same time, I think most people's interest lies in uh, the uh, U.S. uniformed um, conflict mm-hmm. in that period. Right, and then there are all sorts of sideshows into Laos and Cambodia that may or may not count, uh, and then it's and it's not just uh, you know we're not just going to talk about you know infantry actions in twenty eight mil because there's fifteen mil stuff you could do, there's six mil stuff you could do, 
There's uh, all sorts of aerial conflict, aerial battle. There's even some, uh, well, with the six mil stuff in particular, uh, there's riverine conflict you could do. I guess if you had the models, you could do some of the actions, the actual legitimate naval actions in uh, the Gulf of Tonkin. Not that there were that many, but they were there. So there's a there's a wide uh, there's a depth and breadth uh, for the wargamer to explore, and we'll we'll touch on a little bit of that. Well, starting now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what uh so you're a little bit more well versed in this than i am so let's talk about rules let's talk infantry right. actions or primarily infantry actions first okay and uh we'll go from there okay right so first off you've got um you you've got a split and it very much depends on your view of gaming the period and the split mm-hmm. is between uh company level and platoon level. Um, okay. I think most sets of rules I've come across from infantry actions tend to deal at platoon level uh, because that is a <clears throat> you know comfortable number of figures to deal with. Uh, however, in uh, when I uh, first picked up uh, Charlie Don't Surf, which is uh, Two Fat Lardies uh, Vietnam rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was an argument uh, that Rich Clark wrote in there, uh, saying that actually, from a from an operational point of view, uh, things never took place at platoon level. It was always at company level and higher. And if you look, and so if you're looking at platoon level, you're, you you know you are very much uh, kind of almost uh, uh, you are looking through that Hollywood lens. Uh, because they concentrate on lower level actions, or seem to, or that seems to concentrate on lower level actions because it's more cinematic. Whereas, from mm-hmm. an operational point of view, actually, uh, you should be looking at company level and higher uh, as uh, as you know what uh, as actions were taking place at that level. Now, it depends if you subscribe to that. Uh, that particular view, or not. I, I certainly thought it was an in, it was an interesting uh, uh, it was an interesting comment to make. Having said that, um, I tend to game more at platoon level than company level. Right. So right, okay. But we should answer the question. So what have you got? Okay. So um, <clears throat> there are several sets of rules that are designed specifically with. Vietnam in mind. Uh, there are others that are adaptions from uh, from uh, um, from existing games, and I think your page of money takes your choice as to what you ha- um, how you think those work. Okay. Uh, so what do you want to do? Do you want to uh, just discuss p- particular, uh, you know, uh, what are my particular highlights? Look at um, look at some that you know still in print or what have you, or or, or how do you want to do this? Um, well, with the secondary market being as robust as it is, I think we can talk about out of production okay, stuff. Cool. Um, you know, it'll end up on you know eBay or somewhere eventually. I'm sure there's Vietnam gaming Facebook groups where someone will have right. it for sale or. If someone's looking for it, they can find it. Okay, so, cool. okay. In know, that case, then what production status isn't the end of the sure. world, you know? Okay. Now, so what I'll do is I'll talk about 
the rules that I found in my journey, and then obviously you can then uh, you can chip in with other bits and pieces and see what you think. Uh, right. Sure. Um, uh, it's a set of rules that written in 1995, so uh, it's uh, certainly been around for a while, but um, probably still from a conflict from a gaming the conflict point of view. To my mind, one of the best still around is a, is a set of rules called Charlie Company. Infantry Combat in Vietnam, 1965 mm-hmm. to 72. Uh, and that is uh, written by John Reeves, Greg Novak, and Kirk Hummitz, and published by Ramph. Uh, sorry, Ra- Ratham. Yes, Ratham. <laughs> Ratham. Ratham used to have a bunch of really nice 20 millimeter uh, metal ranges for a variety of conflicts. Um, I had some of their uh, World War II stuff, and I really liked those figures. Um, I had dreams of doing an Arnhem project, and it picked up a uh, a number of their uh, British paras and German mm. Wehrmacht for that. And, uh, and it's one of those things I just never got around to it, and... Well, last I knew, uh, <laughs> Dwayne Fleck of Recruits, uh, I, I traded them to him for I don't even remember what, but that's that's how it goes, yeah. I guess. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Raffin's yeah. a great company, um, and I and I remember seeing the the Vietnam stuff in their in their yeah. catalog. Now the rules themselves, they're um, they de- the interesting thing. Okay, so they're designed uh, to be played with uh, multiple players on one side and an umpire. So they they require a particular oh, okay. type of game setup. Okay. Uh, the interesting mm-hmm. thing there is that uh, other well, right. So so the umpire uh, right plays the games. Uh, sorry, plays the game and the um, and. Okay, for want of a better phrase, the communist forces. Okay, uh, and mm-hmm. all the other players co- are commanders either at uh, squad, platoon, or company level uh, of three forces, uh, whether they be US, Australian, uh, Arvin, or what have you. The thing that I really like about the game is that uh, it always maintains uh, well I suppose the the one thing that I think uh, is different between Vietnam and World War 2 and again this is something we've come across in in discussing modern rules uh, is the asymmetric nature of the combat and and also the the Mm -hmm. insurgent nature of the combat Uh, so with the fact that the games master um, or umpire is is running all the um, all the communist forces, and you can have an entire game where the uh, VC or NVA forces never appear on the board. Uh, the US come under fire from a particular area, and. Uh, Never see what's, uh, 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 yeah. They know where the fire's coming from, uh, but uh, never see 
models on the board. It's uh, so it's all run for uh, yeah with the fact that okay uh, there is fire coming from the, that that area of jungle or, uh, or or that building, and potentially by the time mm-hmm. uh, the US player right. uh, engages uh, in the end goes to that particular area, they could then search the area and maybe find the body, or maybe find nothing at all. So that's the kind right. of level the game runs at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it deals with, uh, I suppose, one of the psychological aspects of, of the conflict as well, uh, which, which I found was which I found was really clever. So although right, at, the right, end of the right, da- right. at the end of the game, uh, the American players are told how they got on, uh, during the game itself, they potentially have no idea. All they know is that they are under fire. They're perhaps taking casualties. Uh, right. You know, maybe you know they are um, achieving certain objectives, but they potentially have no idea uh, on the size of the force they're facing, um, the composition of that force, because it I say it never appears. And that is one thing I find particularly clever, because yeah, you know, from what uh, again, from a lot of what we've we've seen from and again this is something looking at from you know, a UK a UK person point of view who is one more step removed from the conflict uh, that's the impression that we get a lot of right. that conflict that even if even if it was fought at quite close quarters at times you still couldn't see who you were firing at so yeah because obviously because of the um, mm-hmm. you know because of the, the you know the the type of terrain you were, the type of terrain you were dealing with. So that's what I really like about that set of rules. In, as I mentioned in the episode of Battle Chat that I did with Henry, I I can completely relate. You know, because <laughs> there are times I was shooting at a launch signature of an RPG when I was in Afghanistan. You know, I yeah. I but, can completely but, relate. But, 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 yeah, but as you say. You can see, I mean, certainly, you know, I suppose because the modern day um, average person has, uh, you know, with the fact that so much battle, ca- uh, so much headcam footage of uh, of engagements yeah. in Afghanistan, for example, uh, mm-hmm. is now on YouTube. Uh, you start to get some idea of what you guys, uh, or yeah, what you guys are dealing with. Uh, I mean, okay, I know it's heavily edited and, and what have you, but at least you get some idea of what's going on, and, and it is that sort of thing. It's like, okay, yeah, we've got incoming fire coming from somewhere, and yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what you're dealing with. You, you know, do you do you ever actually physically see right. anybody? Absolutely. Mm, yeah. So that's one thing. I, that's one thing I particularly liked about Charlie Company. Okay. Um, again, interesting comment that I found. We uh, uh, from a blog post that uh, Richard Clark wrote uh, a, f- a few weeks ago, because there was a discussion on the Two Fat Lardies blog about the fact that he had basically decided to shell fighting season. Um, uh, fighting season was the set of modern rules that uh, he's been developing for a while. It's kind of um, a modern version of Chain of Command. And shelving it, huh? That's that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, he's at least putting it to one side for now, basically, because he got to a point where he, um, he was chatting with some uh, uh, some 
uh, uh, some British officers mm-hmm. uh, talking about um, talking about you know how he wanted to develop the game and what he was looking for. And one guy did turn turn around to him and say, uh, "You do realise that if you pub- that if you publish this, uh, you are potentially putting people at risk because this is actually what we do in real life." Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he kind of went. It's a good point. I never really thought about it like that, uh, <laughs> which is why he's kind of gone. Mm, yeah, I'm not too sure at this moment in time. However, one of the ideas he did say. Now, you may or may not agree with this uh, as a statement, and I'm just putting it out there. I thought it was an interesting statement to make, and that was uh, in putting together fighting season. What he didn't want to do was to do what in his opinion several sets of rules had done with the Vietnam War mm-hmm. and that is to, uh, to portray the Vietnam War and again forgive me I'm a Brit not an American sure. so uh, forgive me if I, I, I step on uh, you know, I know the last you know the Vietnam War is uh sensitive it's a sensitive subject to some people yes so forgive me as a non-american if i tread on toes when i say this but what richard said and i thought it was a really interesting comment was there are many war game sets of rules that have been written that portray the vietnam war as the war that the u.s wanted to fight Mm. as opposed to the war they actually fought by which point I mean is that there are an awful lot of sets of of Vietnam War rules Mm -hmm. that portray the war as a stand up fight between US forces and uh, I mean especially the NBA Uh, I think particularly um the uh, the one that immediately springs to mind from my point of view is uh, well, it was um, Battlefront Two of Duty. I think it's now called Nam. Um, but certainly, uh, there are, as I say, I, I think th- th- there are a number of rules that do away with the whole insurgency aspect of right. the fighting and the complications that that involves, because you know. I say it's complicated. It's di- it's potentially yes. difficult. Uh, it's difficult to portray, and therefore they would prefer it as a stand-up fight between a platoon of U.S. infantry uh, or Marines or what have you, and uh, you know, uh, VC local force or maybe a unit of MVA. And you know, I'm not saying that that didn't exist, but you know, there was. Uh, I think there was perhaps a lot less of uh, a lot less of it than uh, we may that we may think. I mean, you know, right? You know, certainly there were some big stand. You know, there were some big stand-up battles, uh, and uh, you know, I mean, uh, I suppose the big one that, that stands out for me is Hawaii City, um, and right. uh, and the uh, you know, uh, I think that's probably. I mean, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's that's probably the biggest kind of almost um, conventional 
for want of a better phrase, uh, mm-hmm. conflict within the Vietnam War uh, or conventional battle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's there's plenty of there's plenty of argument for that. But then again, at the same time, when you get into that, for lack of a better term, and you know, probably overused term, you know, gritty, you know, dirty house to house, street to street fighting. Yeah, the operations might have been at a at a company or battalion level, but the the fights were at platoon and squad level. Yeah. You know, so now you're just you're back to the same situation where you can't see who's shooting at you. You don't see what you're shooting at, and you know it's you're just juxtaposing green stuff in front of you with gray stuff and other colors. Yeah, very true. And you know the the gray stuff in front of you stops bullets, <laughs> you know, whereas the whereas the green stuff don't, you know. And uh, yeah, there's there's certainly there's certainly an argument there. And I think that the way and again we're digressing. Shock, indeed, surprise. Um, the uh, the way that the the war is portrayed in in games is is important because. You want to well, you can't capture the whole war in a single mm-hmm. game, and you can't capture any war in a single game. But you want to make sure that you are at least representing a significant portion. Well, not even that. It you know there weren't many tank battles, and when your rule system is built around tank battles and you put a Vietnam veneer yeah. on it, there's there's something that's not quite jibing there. Yeah, I, you know? yeah, I must admit, and... when, uh, uh, when I first saw that, uh, that was a Whiskey Sanko Foxtrot moment uh, for, me. <laughs> for me. And I'm thinking, hang on a second, yeah. he said, as far as I'm aware, you know, outside of, outside of, you know, late war 73, uh, I think uh, I think there was a there was a stand, there was a fight between T54s and Walker Bulldogs for Marvin. I said after that I said I think wasn't it the uh, was it the Kaysan attack with six PT76s was the only other time during the war that um, the communist forces used tanks. Uh, there was a I forget the name of the outpost. There was a special forces camp that got attacked and they had PT seventy sixes there too. Yeah. It wasn't K Sun. Yeah that yeah that yeah that's the one that's I wasn't Kaysan. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but that's that's the one I that's the one I was thinking of. You, you know, the the famous tanks right. in the wire engagement. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's if, if you're not yeah. and, and again you can't distill an entire war into a single type of combat or you just can't, but at the same time you can definitely misrepresent what you're doing. You know, um, it'd be one thing to have, I don't know, there's definitely an argument there, but at the same time, you can't overstate what it is that you're doing, if that makes sense. It'd be like, um, you know, it'd be like trying to create a Civil War game where you had a significant portion of cavalry on the battlefield with the infantry and the artillery, you know. That just didn't happen, you know. <laughs> and, and again, there might be some, you know, some minor 
action where there was, you know, one squadron of cavalry on the field with the infantry and artillery at the same time. And, but for that conflict, that doesn't accurately represent the bulk of the, of the action for lack of a better term. Hmm. And, you know, it'd be like a world war two. Uh, it'd be like a world war two game with, you know, throwing meteors up against ME 262s for example. Yeah. You know, that it didn't happen. You can't, I, I guess you can represent it or you can call it, you know, you know, weird war 46 or whatever you want to, but it ain't historical, you know, and yeah, you're, you're dealing with units that existed and you may, might even have them painted perfectly for a particular time, time frame, but that ain't how it worked. And, but anyway, we'll, we'll stop being so damn negative. Um, as an aside, (laughs) (laughs) as an aside, and I will have the link in the show notes, Charlie company is still available from Ratham. Good. It's, I just say, from a twelve bucks, twelve dollars yeah. American gets you a copy of it, Charlie. Yeah, from, from a production point of view, it's showing its age. I mean, hey, it was published in nineteen ninety five, so it's all uh, yeah, it's all black and white. Uh, but it, yeah, even if you got, how's that for irony? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, it's well worth a look. It is well worth a look. It's got some really interesting ideas in it. Uh, okay. Moving swiftly on. Moving swiftly on, indeed. Uh, so I started uh, then. Um, I, for a bit, I played. Uh, there was um, a set of te- a set of rules called Fighting Vietnam, okay. uh, which was written by uh, Buck Surdy. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was kind of adapt. Yeah, that was an adaption from his uh, Beam and Pretzel skirmish rules uh, for use with Vietnam, uh, and that was published spe- specifically in conjunction with uh, West Wind did a range of 28 mil Vietnam figures uh, which went which went alongside that uh, yeah that has some interesting ideas in it and I, I, I gave it that for a while now it's called Fire Team Vietnam uh, is it at the Fire Team level Fire Team Vietnam or is it just or is uh, it just the name like you've got more than four dudes right no, yeah, I mean it's it it was platoon level, but okay. it was called Fighting Vietnam, but it was uh uh and uh, but but it was aimed at platoon level. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh then you've got uh from a from from what I was doing gaming wise, uh you've got um Ambush Valley. Mm, which yes. was which was the uh the supplement that was produced for um, ambush, ambush alley, and uh, f- force on force, force on force. But this was before. Okay, this originally came out before Osprey got the publishing rights. Right. So, so version one of Ambush Valley was actually different from version two, uh, uh, from the one that, that that Osprey ended up producing. Because mm-hmm. uh, amongst because amongst other things, the first version had a had a full campaign system in it. Mm. Uh, so so it kind of did the whole tour of duty. Uh, um, do a duty thing. The thing I liked about uh, Ambush Valley, uh, sorry, Ambush, yeah, so it's the Ambush Valley force on force type of game. Right, first off, uh, mechanically was the fact that uh, weapon ranges, um, you know, you no longer fired a rifle for 24 inches. Right. Uh, 
throughout my throughout my gaming the, yeah, the, yeah, the old um, limited range of uh, modern weapons has always been a bit of a bane for me so the fact that um, uh, when Ambush Alley came out they 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 did away with that no no we're representing a small uh, a small part of the battlefield weapon ranges are unlimited right uh, that I like that also the fact that then they took on board uh, so again because when ambush valley uh, sorry when, when ambush alley came out uh, that was again looking at operations in uh, Iraq and Afghanistan uh, and looking at how um, things like casualties uh, affected uh, the operation uh, the operations of free world forces and the difference between yeah, again that was based as a uh, organized force versus insurgency set of rules and then they uh, mm-hmm. you know, they just put the Vietnam uh, over the top of it and it worked really really well yeah. uh, and but that that was again again that was something I thought was really evocative the fact that uh, everything worked fine until you, uh, uh, and everything was working fine until you got your first casualty. At which point, at which point, operationally, right. all your all your priorities changed. Uh, so, so again, it wasn't just about carrying out uh, carrying out the operation. Uh, it was also about <clears throat> also about uh, protecting your casualties uh, and mm-hmm. uh, you know and ensuring that they got dealt with. Um, so, I liked the way that Ambush Valley, as a extension of Force on Force and Ambush Valley, did that for the Vietnam period, and yeah. uh, I still think it's one of the best sets. O- outside of something like Charlie Company, I still think that's one of the best sets of rules for doing that. Um, if I have a complaint about that entire system, and it's a very common complaint, I know. And I am speaking as a member of the playtest team for Ambush Alley. I think that the reaction system gets to the point where it becomes awfully unwieldy to play, especially with new players. Mm. Um, it's not simple, but <laughs> no. Well, it's it's simple, but it keeps going. Yeah, and and from a gameplay standpoint. It gets a little difficult to manage, especially if you're talking about multiple elements involved in the in the reactions, and um, that doesn't again. It, it's and it's something that's easily fixed. You know, you just say you know during the outset, okay, we're we're limiting reactions to one, mm. and then you just keep yeah. going, just from a simply from a stand from a from a gameplay standpoint. But I I can definitely see where. There are people who do like that aspect, and so and and again, it, it speaks to the to the larger point of you know we as gamers. One of the great things about tabletop gaming is we can do what we want. It's our game. You know when we you know when we are putting our games together, we can say what rules and we are going to use and not use, and that's something that. You know, it's something that computer and, and console gamers, they don't get to do that. And so, 
anyway, I again, it's it's me digressing digressing this time. But I'm glad you mentioned reaction systems because that's reminded me of uh, of also I was kind of skipping over, which was uh, FNG. Uh, which, uh, which again, um, I played for a bit for that. Now that's from Two Hour War Games. Uh, yep. I forget. I forget who what Darby somebody. I think wrote them. I can't remember. Darby Eccles. That's the guy. Yep. Uh, so yeah, very. Darby is a really nice guy. Um, I actually played in a Vietnam Air War game with him at recruits one year. Um. Very nice guy. His dad was uh, special forces in Vietnam. Mm. Yeah, and and he, but yeah, he wrote really nice guy to talk to. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I spoke to him several times on email, and uh, yeah, he's, he's uh, yeah, great guy. Uh, from my interactions with him, uh, so he wrote uh, what is now, I suppose, there's two versions of FNG plus uh, uh, Darby also wrote like a special forces supplement for it. Um, I think. Well, I don't think he wrote the original FNG. He was. I think he was certainly involved. Uh, but uh, I, but there was an. I think it was called Unconventional Warfare. Uh, was a supplement for it, which I think. Which I think he either wrote or had a major input into. Um, we obviously we do dealing with special forces operations, which to be honest is almost a, it's almost mm-hmm. a complete subject unto itself. But there, but uh, but. Yeah, right. But, uh, yeah. So again, that was uh, an interesting system in the fact. That, um, well, I mean, with with auto armor war games uh, rules, uh, you can either play it um, as uh, two opposing people, or you can play it as everybody against the system, or you can even play it solo because again, it has these reaction tables. Uh, mm-hmm. So that helped again to generate the, the slightly different feel of uh, a Vietnam game from a, a conventional warfare game if you um, if you like and that was yeah that was an interesting set of rules mm-hmm. um, double I doubled with that and I, ne- I never really played it a lot but I know that's out there and uh, that, that's worth that's certainly worth a look uh, then there was uh, Charlie don't surf which is a company set of rules yeah. from two fat Lardies. Uh, Those guys are jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid. Um, you've you've dealt I, personally I know, with I know them, them pretty well, yeah, <laughs> uh, more than I have. Yeah, and I got to say, Rich and uh, Nick are really, really good guys, and uh, I think they don't mind me, as as you Brits say. Uh, taking the piss with them, so <laughs> yeah, they're they would they would think it rude otherwise. I think, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, talking um... shit as we say in the U.S. Yeah. But yeah, they they are they are a couple of great guys, and um, Charlie Don't Surf is definitely the type of game that I'd like to at least in like a convention or a, a gaming weekend type uh, experience. Yeah. I'd like to yeah take I... a look at. Again, the the aspect with it, with that set of games is that, uh, as I said earlier, it's uh, that's very much aimed at company level action as opposed to platoon level action. Uh, so it takes like mm-hmm. kind of one one step back a bit. But the other thing is, again, it looks at different uh, it looks at different uh, victory points. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, victory objectives for each scenario. So uh, you have your operational. Uh, you have your operational objectives, uh, but you also mm-hmm. have your political objectives. 
and so mm. the VC player uh, or, or uh, yeah, the VC or NBA player can win not by completing their opera, uh, not by ha- uh, winning operationally, but by winning due to uh, uh, due to uh, whatever political. Uh, um, objectives they achieved, you know the the level of casualties, uh, the level of crack of, of collateral damage, uh, even as far as going as uh, things like, uh, for example, you can have things like uh, TV crews on the table and right. and witnessing, uh, you know, uh, witnessing stuff they maybe shouldn't. Uh, so right. you know. Prop- or, or or should, should as yes. it, propaganda as, coups or what have yeah. you. Um, so right, all all that sort of aspect is included in the game. Uh, now, mm-hmm. uh, it's a card. Now that that might, might not be everybody's cup of tea because it's card it, it's it's card activation. It is it, it's random unit activation. Uh, so not everybody likes that sort of thing. Uh, but for me, that is still one of the best. Vietnam sets of rules, uh, and certainly something I, I have decided I haven't played enough of. Uh, it's aimed at a slightly, mm-hmm. as I say, slightly higher level, so uh, you can't play you you can't really play in twenty eight mil. But these days, yeah. there's a lot more available in in smaller scales, uh, which I'm sure we can. I, I know we've been talking for almost an hour, but I'm sure we can. Uh, uh, we, we can. Uh, we will have to touch on what's available in different scales. So, so that's um, uh, yeah. So that is uh, Charlie Company. Um, then we've got uh, right one that it was reprinted last year, uh, which is a different take on things. Okay, there's. Uh, have you come across Peter Pig? Yes, I was just going to mention yes, Peter Pig because the uh, TV or media crew thing uh, pops up in their AK forty seven Republic. Ah right, okay, uh, yeah. Uh, they have uh, last year they reprinted uh, uh, they reprinted their Vietnam set of rules, uh, uh, Men of Company B. Okay. Um, so that is again uh, platoon action uh, in uh, for Vietnam. Very different set of rules uh, from what you might be used to. For, for example, mm-hmm. okay, just just to give the setup. Uh, it takes place on a, on a three foot by five foot table, which is divided into six inch squares. Yes. Uh, and uh, and your your uh, all your like like your range, for example, is is measured by square as opposed to by actual distance. Uh, and so it's kind of very much geared around uh, that set of uh, that set of mechanics, which certainly speeds things up a bit uh, and right. uh, so it's meant as platoon, platoon, uh, platoon v platoon co- um, combat uh, it assumes that your free world forces so you can play, obviously play US, Australians uh, mm-hmm. Arvin you can play against VC or NVA if, it, if you're fighting NVA it takes it as uh, essentially uh, almost a conventional battle whereas if you're against a VC, uh, it will it's assume you're doing some sort of security sweep. Uh, you can also it also has uh, differences, so you can do things like uh, search and rescue recovery for uh, downed air, uh, for, for downed pilots, um, assaults on fire bases, that sort of thing. 
it's got some interesting mechanics in uh, in Many Company B. It's it's certainly worth a look. Uh, obviously, we can't cover it in in, in mm-hmm. great depth, but because uh, you know, that would take more than the rest of the show. But it's it's got some interesting bits and pieces. It's got some interesting mechanics in there. It's, it's, as I say, it's worth a look. Then there is a uh, right uh, guy in Scandinavia. Uh, Jason, oh, I'm going to butcher his. I always butcher his surname. Uh, Senjajan. Sorry, Jason. I really apologise. Uh, your your surname has far, has far too many J's in it. Uh, anyway, uh, he's done a an add-on to my all-time favourite set of uh, skirmish level uh, rules, a chain of command called Chain of Command DMZ. Uh, which is available as a free download from his website, which is car, which is carportgaming.blogspot.com. Okay, that'll be in the show notes, folks. Don't worry. Yeah, um, and that basically puts uh, a bolt on to chain of command using most of chain of command rules plus some extra bits and pieces uh, to give the per- uh, the period feel for Vietnam, uh, and then there's also. Uh, more discussions on his blog about gaming those rules. Okay. Uh, they've been playtested uh, quite a lot with the two fat lardies contingent in Scandinavia, and uh, yeah, they're they're interesting. And you know, I'm a huge fan of Chaining Command. I th- as I say, it's it's my fa- it's my favourite set of skirmish rules. So playing Vietnam with Chain of Command is just best thing. I mean, there's it's interesting because myself and my cobs were actually talking about we're talking with Nick Skinner uh, about developing a set of Vietnam rules mm-hmm. um, out of now this is out of the experience that Mike had had developing his eighteen twelve set of rules for sharp practice. Right, and we were chatting about uh, about this, and then we saw that uh, Jason had done Channel Command DMZ, so we decided that we we, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't move forward because Jason's actually put you know put an awful lot of work into this. Right. That said, there's some things which I think we'd like to add, so uh, we might put some kind of more fan content on that. Okay, before we go on, to, before we go on to like air war stuff, which I know you want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, one one thing just left of center. Okay. Have you ever seen the film Dog Soldiers? I have. Cool. Right. <laughs> I. <laughs> okay. Are you aware of a board game that was kickstarted earlier this uh, um, kickstarted late last year? And it's actually due for publication this year. Only, uh, only because called, you gushed called about full it. Moon, only because yeah, you gushed about full, it on your show. <laughs> yes, full, full moon jacket. Okay, that doesn't um, even make sense, but okay. <laughs> n- no, I, yeah, I, yes, I, yes, I was. I, I, I must admit, I, I must admit, knowing what full metal jacket actually means, uh, I was yeah. kind of thinking, no, what they should have done was Charlie don't howl, but there we go. Uh, is <laughs> Uh, okay, it's it's a it's a it's a miniatures board game, and uh-huh. I, I actually saw the production of miniatures because they were just, uh, they were demoing it at the UK Games Expo a couple of weeks ago, uh, and it looks it does look really nice. Mm-hmm. But essentially, you are attempting to uh, you're attempting, uh, you you play a group of uh, soldiers doing uh, a search and rescue on a down chopper with uh, an American officer uh, an American officer. And uh, while you're attempting that that rescue mission, uh, you are attacked by um, rather than Visa, you are attacked by a group of werewolves. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot of fun. 
Yeah. Well, it, I, 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 yeah, it is a lot of fun. I've played it a couple of times. It's it, yeah, it's it, yes. Okay, it's it's not very Vietnam, but it it's got some. It's it's got a couple of nice thoughts about it. And I say with the fact that it was Vietnam, and uh, I, I just love the theme. So uh, so that, that's actually coming out in, uh, to buy uh, a bit later this year. Um, so that's uh, yeah, that's that's a full moon jacket. Okay, Air War. Uh, I know you okay. want to talk about Air War. Uh, I've got one set of rules to mention for Air War uh, because uh, that's how that's the only thing I've done on Vietnam Air War, uh, and that is a set of rules called Thud Ridge. Okay. Uh, which are produced by Tumbling Dice if, uh, in the UK. If you haven't come, come, come across Tumbling Dice, uh, they produce a whole, well, you know, huge range of 1600 scale aircraft right. uh, and several other bits and pieces. But their big thing is 1600 scale aircraft. Uh, and so uh, they have uh, developed this game, Thud Ridge, uh, which is obviously uh, air combat. Uh, over over Vietnam, so you uh, you can be uh, effectively uh, performing uh, air sorties mm-hmm. and uh, against ground targets. Uh, you've got obviously interceptions coming in for and and uh, and yeah, then some missiles and what have you. So you can be yeah, you, the thing I like about it is that effectively you can take a all the different, uh, all the different um, aspects of a U.S. carrier. Uh, so everything from uh, intruders to phantoms and prowlers. Uh, so you've got you've got the the electronic warfare aspects. You've got the reconnaissance aspect, uh, ground attack, air attack, uh, pilot recovery, and have it all running at the same time. Right. Uh, and it's showing its age, I think, as far as mechanics is concerned. Mm-hmm. But it's good fun, and it allows you to have an awful lot of little, a little aircraft flying around on the table, which right. is just great fun. But um, as I say, I, I haven't done an awful lot of air combat, so at this point, I'll shut up and hand that back to you. Fair enough. Um, I haven't done a whole lot either. Uh, I have played Check Your Sixth Jet Age. Um, my brother has invested. Yes. My brother's invested in Check Your Six Jet Age quite extensively. Um, a little personal background: our uncle Tom, uh, who passed a few years ago, was a, uh, a Navy pilot. He flew Crusaders during Vietnam, uh, oh, cool. the last of the gunfighters, uh, and he flew off of Ariskany in Ticonderoga, and he was with uh, VF One Twelve the sundowners and uh so there's there's definitely a personal connection there also our uh stepdad bruce uh, also who passed uh well about a year and a half ago now he uh was a navy combat search and rescue helicopter crewman so we definitely have a uh, a personal interest in the air war over vietnam and Checker 6 Jet Age is a uh, little bit more, how do I want to put it, lower level than Thud Ridge, it sounds like, uh, because yeah. you're going to be flying maybe a flight, you know, two, three, four planes, and that's about it. Not okay, per well, side, but per player. Yeah. And you're tracking 
uh, you are tracking ammunition counts and missile counts and whatnot uh, for each yeah, plane. Sounds like yeah, it, it is a level down. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you could definitely do one six hundredth scale planes. I I love one six hundredth scale planes or three mil, whatever term you want to use, uh, because you really get the impression that these things are moving really fast. You mm. know. And uh, I've played it with uh, one three hundredth or six mil planes. Uh, it still looks good. Uh, you can get a little bit more detail, uh, you know, with the decals and whatnot, and really make things look good. Of course, my brother has painted his Crusaders as Sundowners, so they've got the the white with the rising sun yeah. uh, on the tails, and they look really mm. good. Uh, so he's got, yeah, he's got. Uh, some Air Force F4s and Navy F4s. Uh, he's got a, a wide variety of MIGs. Um, what's interesting from a gameplay standpoint is, as far as the Air Wars concerned, those are stand-up fights. Those are mm. peer-to-peer, and I'm not ta- and I'm I'm not talking near peer. I'm talking peer-to-peer fights, and. Um, you know, there's there's all sorts of material available for research on the air war. Um, some of the air force's biggest heroes are from the Vietnam War. Uh, one in particular that I'm a fan of. Go check out an air force leader by the name of Robin Olds. O L D S. Uh, just a phenomenal combat leader and really had a lot of interesting ideas about air combat and probably one of the most lethal mustaches to ever grace the battlefield. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Really, really interesting guy. Um, Of course, uh, you know, the the Air War produced, uh, you know, on on another level, the Air War did produce a significant amount of... uh, for lack of a better term, civilian suffering, which t- to the point where it's almost, it's almost one of the defining characteristics of the U S involvement in Vietnam. And yeah. I do want to talk about some of the social sensibilities of gaming this, but let's, let's transition just into the figures that okay. are available because like I mentioned at the very start, there's everything from three all the way up to 54 millimeter. Yeah, uh, like I said, when I when I first started gaming Viet, uh, Vietnam uh, back in uh, and wrote those a beginner's guide to Vietnam back in two thousand and five, I think there was like six ranges of twenty eight mil figures. You might have found one range of twenty mil. Um, nothing in fifteens. It's a very different story these days. Very different right. story indeed. Okay, so what, what, what do I want to do? Do uh, small up or big down? However you want to go. What, how are your notes organized? Oh. Let's keep it easy. Organized? <laughs> you assume I'm organized. Okay, right. <laughs> Alphabetical? What? <laughs> well, okay, no, no, I just did it on a web search. No, I just did it on a web search. Okay, so, uh, okay, okay uh, on scale. Right, okay. Um, the highlights of what I've currently seen. Uh, say so from 28 uh, okay 28 we've got the likes of and now I'm moving at the speed of uh, at the speed of my uh, my web browser right uh, in 28 mil uh, you've got assault group uh, mm-hmm. 
quite I'm saying, getting quite long in the tooth these days, but a nice set of uh, characterful 28mm miniatures. Uh, my favourite set of 28mm miniatures, uh, Baker Company. Okay. Um, then you have uh, West Wind Productions. That, uh, they did the, the fighting Vietnam range that we talked about earlier. Um, showing their age, I think. Quite nice, and, and they got and, and they've got some stuff that no one has in, in in that same scale. I think they're the only company that produce a film crew in twenty eight mil, for example. Uh, okay, but um, but yeah, uh, yeah, got some nice vehicles. Uh, all right, E Bob miniatures are. I think they're still working on because uh, it still says coming soon uh, a set of called Recon twenty eight, uh, which is looking a lot at Australians and. Uh, uh, and uh, so they're looking really nice, but they're still coming soon. Uh, we talked earlier about Empress uh, doing uh, and FNG looking at uh, the the earlier part of the war. So that's again, mm-hmm. um, and the, and twenty eight mil. I, I don't. Uh, I was starting to come to the end of it because actually a, c- a couple of the guys that I used to ha- uh, that I used to know of uh, was it was Force of Arms and there was Chilton uh, don't uh, you know their, their companies uh, unfortunately don't appear to be any uh, to, to be with us any longer um, so uh, that I think is possibly about it in twenty eight mil unless you have some more no I I don't I have got nothing to add cool right. Uh, but one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest growths has been in smaller scales. Uh, so, for yeah. example, if you're looking at, let's go twenty mil. Okay. Okay. So the the classic one, I suppose, what people would think of when you go twenty mil is something like SHQ. Uh, SHQ have a um, have a uh, quite a big range of twenty mil miniatures for. Um, for Vietnam, uh, you've also got the old Britannia range uh, for Vietnam, which is actually now uh, sold by a company called Grubby Tanks in the UK. Uh, then East Riding Miniatures also do uh, uh, in their Platoon Twenty range uh, cover, mm-hmm. uh, and they actually again uh, they actually cover. Uh, what back to uh, Vietnam, uh, Vietnam and French. Uh, so and they uh, NVA, Arvin, Viet Cong, uh, Australians. Um, oh, I forgot to mention in the tw- in the twenty eight mil range, uh, Eureka do some Australians. Uh, however, okay. they are uh, they te- the they're really nice sculpts, but unfortunately they're twenty five, not twenty eight, so they don't tend to fit in with most people's ranges. It's a bit of a shame. Uh, then you've got Elheim. Uh, who were who mm-hmm. worked very closely with um, uh, Sean uh, uh, Sean Carpenter and Bush Alley on, uh, on on making their ranges uh, tie up. With, uh, well, I think that they officially had the uh, Ambu- official Ambush Alley range of figures. But Alheim Miniatures do a uh, Vietnam range, uh, which again covers uh, it also covers French Indochina as well as uh, all the usuals. And then you have a company called Under Fire Miniatures, as well. Uh, not uh, not a company I'm particularly familiar with, but they have a small range of uh, miniatures in twenty mil. 
Right. Fifteens. Good. Well, God. I just want to go on. Yeah. Well, before before we moved to fifteen in the twenty mil one seventy second, uh, Eshi did two boxes, yeah. one of U.S. Elite Forces and one of Viet Cong uh, NVA. So they're kind of a mix, and just like with any other plastic figures, it's kind of your mileage may vary as whether or not you like mm-hmm. them or not. Um, you know, I'm looking at Plastic Soldier Review right now. I had these figures at oh, one right. point. Um, when I was younger, I was going to... I actually messed around with the... Well, just like everybody else, you know, messed around quite a bit with the, plast- with the soft plastic 172nd stuff. Um the I don't think I had the North Vietnamese figures, but I did have the the uh, uh, U.S. Elite Forces, um, and their definition of U.S. Elite Forces is pretty broad because you can see, I mean, you've got everything from what might be a, a, a special forces advisor, you know, to a lot of guys that look just like just regular Marines or. Uh, U.S. Army Infantry, so like I said, your your mileage may vary, and of course they've got some some of the figures have some goofy poses to them like they often do in the plastics, but they're serviceable. They get the job done. Uh, you can definitely tell what the weapons are, and some of them are actually some of the weapons are actually proportioned properly. <laughs> <laughs> looking at them looking at them right now, for example, the, the dude with the M79 is a neat looking pose, but his M79 is just a bit on the right. big side. So, but that's, you know, a minor complaint. But hey, they got a dude with a shotgun. You gotta watch that, right? <laughs> so, I have this for close encounters. Yeah, I, and I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, I like to keep this. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, that's that's funny you say that because when I was in Afghanistan riding around in the turret of a <laughs> up armored Humvee, I actually had a shotgun. <laughs> um, someone asked, "What do you got that thing for?" <laughs> I would say, "I like to keep it handy for boarding actions." Oh. <laughs> Amongst the other yeah. weaponry I had, but uh, right. <laughs> anyhow, 15. fifteen. Of course, you're going to talk about uh, Peter. Pig. Yeah, but okay. Much as we, much as we have maligned them almost by not mentioning them, uh, Battlefront. Uh, I, you know, yes, they did uh, Vietnam Flames of War, um, which. Uh, yeah, moving on. However, the one bonus with doing that is they produced. <laughs> A huge range of miniatures in 15 mil for it, and they're actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no matter what you think of the rules, they do make yeah, nice figures. Yeah. So uh, more so, and I think you know, I go as far to say they're almost one of the best on the market. Uh, I think there's one, uh, there's probably one company that beats them uh, at the moment, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, if you want to do Vietnam in 15 mil. Uh, no matter what rule set you use, uh, you can't go far wrong than using the battle uh, than using the Battlefront 15 mil uh, miniatures, uh, and mm-hmm. you know because it's Battlefront. I mean, I know they've uh, I kind of Tour of Duty came and went, but I think they're I think they're re um, I think they're rebadging it as Nam or something. Uh, so it should be becoming available again, and they are very nice. Not the cheapest, but very nice. Uh, Okay, fifteen mil. Uh, yeah, 
I think some of the nicest ones I've actually seen uh, are by a company called Flashpoint Miniatures, who are based, I, I believe they're in New Zealand. Okay. Uh, so uh, postage is a killer, but uh, they are really nice. Uh, then we have Peter Pig. Um, large range of, um, I mean, obviously they're designed to go with yeah. Company B, and some of the sculpting, you know, side by side with something like um, uh, Battlefront, uh, yeah, not as good, uh, but they do the job. Um, Sky, tr- sorry, and I dare say you could. And I dare say you could dip into their you could dip into their AK forty seven range also for oh, certainly. odds certainly. and ends certainly. as yeah. needed. Uh, you know, Media Crew, for example, it would definitely yeah. be available there. Yeah. I mean, and and they are pretty yeah they are pretty pretty consistent in scale. So uh, yeah, I mean yeah, Peter Pig are uh, yeah 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 they're decent figures, but not as good as Battlefronts. Uh, then yeah. two or three people uh, do the Vietnam era for Command Decision. Um, I think in the UK that's owned by mm-hmm. Skytrex. In the States, it's old. Uh, it's old Glory Miniatures. Uh, it's, it, I believe it's the same range. Yeah. Whether it's, uh, but in the UK, you actually get them from Skytrex because because they have the license in the UK. But it's old Glory, and that's the uh, that's the fifteen mil Command Decision range. Uh, yeah, that's pretty decent. Um, and okay. also interestingly. Uh, I th- looks like these are still under, or, although some are out there, they're still working on Curison uh, miniatures. If you've ever come across Curison, uh, are actually currently producing a range of fifteen mm-hmm. mil. Uh, they have, um, they have U.S. infantry, uh, just uh, standard U.S. infantry, uh, heavy weapons, and an APC plus NVA available. Uh, they're I suppose U.S. Marines with body armor and uh, Viet Cong are still being sculpted, so that's a, pretty much a brand new range. Uh, but Curison are always, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. difficult to get a hold of outside the states um, because they had, uh, uh, they don't have a distributor outside the states, so uh, postage is always interesting. Uh, but they are uh, uh, they are again excellent range of uh, excellent company to deal with. Then going down a bit further, uh, ten mil. I think there's maybe more than one, but for ten mil, uh, the one that springs out is Pendraken. Uh, Pendraken do a great range of ten mil miniatures. Uh, fills in very well with things like time cast for the scenery, and that's what I'm gaming my uh, uh, my Charlie Don't Surf in, in ten mil. I think if I had my time again, I'd probably now do it in fifteen. But at the time, uh, the range yeah the ranges weren't available. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite sure if anyone, anybody does it in. Uh, I haven't right. come across anybody in six that does it. Oh no, sorry, D, uh, GHQ do it in six mil. Uh, it's part of their it's part of their micro armor range. Yep, in, in six mil and uh, yeah, yeah, they've got a nice selection of riverine stuff. Uh, if if that would be, I I'm not familiar immediately with no, any riverine rules that you could do, but. They've got all sorts of sampans and junks and PBRs and yeah. the uh, the yeah. Uh, yeah that was the one thing with uh, that whatnot. was the one thing with uh, uh, I'd missed when I was talking about twenty eight mil. Uh, the one thing with uh, the West Wind was that they had um, uh, the, the only company I came across who had uh, twenty eight mil uh, Riverine 
uh, stuff available. Also, they are only, only people like I'll, I'll come across mm-hmm. in twenty who do twenty eight mil monitor yards. Uh, not yeah, not somebody, not something you come across very often anywhere in, in, in almost any range. But uh, but 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 no, not at all. Fighting uh, Vietnam range. Um, okay, so three mil. Um, well, I suppose in the states it will be Pico armor. Uh, 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 elsewhere, it, it's it's Oddsalls yep. Osme uh, or their distributors. Uh, but they actually they do a three mil range of Vietnam. Uh, and they recently re-sculpted all their infantry for it. Yeah. So I know it's small, but you know, if you're limited in space and want to do big actions, yeah, they're pretty decent. Oh yeah, I I'm a big fan of three mil. Uh, I did a I did an episode with John Sweeney, mm. who's the the Pico Armor dude, and yeah, it's it's good stuff. I I'm definitely a fan of it. You know, again, one of these days. Uh, speaking of games that use uh, gridded mat, I'll do something <laughs> yeah. with Rommel in three yeah. mil one of these days. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something worth looking into. Uh, you know, the Vietnam is one of those things where I definitely want to do it more. Um, how I would go about doing that, I'm not quite sure though, and exactly what aspect because you know we talked about ground combat we've talked about uh air combat we've you know we've touched on naval combat and riverine combat there's all sorts of stuff we could you could do all sorts of levels of command you could do as well and it's just a matter of finding Mm. finding that balance that works right for you one of my personal concerns with gaming the era is there is an awful lot of collateral damage that was not militarily necessary. And the Ken Burns series touches on it uh, quite a bit. And I suppose if you really wanted to dig in the weeds on that sort of issue, um, you're going to have to look at a board game. Uh, there's one in particular mm-hmm. that I'm thinking of called Fire on the Lake. Um, I want to think, I want to say GMT makes it. Yeah. It's part of their coin series. Uh, coin, of course, being uh, counterinsurgency. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Uh, it is. It is worth noting that uh, as well. Uh, you know, GMT. GMT especially do a really good range of different board games dealing with the conflict. Um, you know that they are well worth looking at. Uh, also, yeah. there's a couple of oh crikey, I forget who produces them, but. Uh, Series of games, uh, they're solo games uh, called Something Leader, for example, and uh, I know there's one called like Phantom Leader, for example, which deals with the air war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, so and that's uh, right and that's for air war. But yeah. yeah, certainly from a from a from a board game point of view, have a look at uh, have a look at GMT, uh, especially they uh, they do a, a really nice range of uh, that that cover the Vietnam War. Yeah. The and, and again, I'm not sure it's something that you can necessarily. How do I want to put it? Well, the games that deal with media, and like mm-hmm. you said earlier, with the political victory, I mean that's that's certainly something there. And and again, in that article that I wrote for Henry, it, I I think it is something that we need to look at more closely. Maybe not in every game, but I think we need to open ourselves to that because. 
it, it's definitely something that we teach in the U.S. forces now is you know the concept of, the concept of uh, proportionality and are you applying the yeah. correct amount of force to achieve your military objective in limiting you know and limiting collateral damage you know it's the well it was mentioned in the Ken Burns thing you know if if you got a sniper you know you don't you don't call in a fire mission from a battery of howitzers to take out a single sniper i mean you got to you got to dig them out with with riflemen you know because one of the locals for lack of a better term that is interviewed said a lot of times they would go into a village and if they killed the the one VC, that one VC yeah. might get replaced. But if they killed the wrong person, now they had ten VC. You know, and it's it, very similar to my experience or a lot of the thinking that that I did after my time in Afghanistan. You know, a lot of a lot of the what ifs I asked myself have, you know, had to do with that exact point. You know, so I think there's definitely room for that type of thing and I think if we as a collective hobby or as a hobby collective however you want to look at it started thinking about those sorts of things it might go a long way to cal- not I don't want to say calming but definitely putting to rest some of the questions yeah. the general yes. public has about the hobby that we yeah. undertake if that makes sense um recognizing that those sensitivities exist, recognizing that they were, you know, it's part of the dynamic of, of combat is how, how civilians are treated on the battlefield or how civilians are treated adjacent to a battlefield. Um, and, and there's not a war, there's not a conflict that has not affected civilians in some way. Now, sometimes the effects of civilians are mitigated you know, for example, you know, the classic example is the the war in World War II in North Africa. Because, you know, for the most part, there wasn't a lot of fighting near population centers. And if there were civilian casualties, you know, it was either not reported or because it was unknown or to a limited degree because there just simply weren't large concentrations of civilians. Then you have things like Stalingrad and Leningrad and you know, hmm. any urban fighting on the Eastern Front in World War II. Well, on the Western Front, too. Significant civilian casualties. Uh, not just from the air campaign, but from from the ground campaign as well. So there's, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too far into this because I think it's actually deserving of its own episode. But I think that if we, again if we as a hobby were to start addressing issues like this, and again, not in every game, not in every scenario, um, but at the very least, acknowledge it. Even if it's something, you know, even if we were to just make a notice in the forward to a new set of rules, you know, I I think that might, uh, that might start casting our hobby in a better light amongst the uninitiated. Yeah. If that makes sense. I mean, certainly, again, you have uh, with Vietnam, and again, I suppose it's because it's a war that America was involved in, uh, 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 you know, uh, as opposed to, and you know, obviously Australia, and uh, but uh, but it, like, for example, from, from the UK uh, point of view, uh, it doesn't have the same. It, it, the Vietnam War doesn't resonate the same in the populace. Uh, so, right. 
So some of the sensitivities about gaming in Vietnam don't exist in the UK as they would in in the states, for example. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so the issues that that we face uh, gaming, uh, if we're gaming Iraq and Afghanistan, uh, obviously also you know, from a from a social point of view and you know gaming conflicts are are within living memory. Um, it's the you know that. Uh, that is obviously relatable more so in the US obviously with the fact of you know it's well before uh, be- before Iraq and Afghanistan it was obviously one of your biggest conflicts uh, in, in you know for, in, in living memory for most people uh, and right. and so uh, and so I could see how that could be problematic uh, or potentially be problematic for gaming that period simply because it would raise certain questions uh so there is definitely that that aspect you know and there and there's certainly plenty of gamers who say you know i won't game vietnam and that's fair you know hey Mm. that's it's i i get it you know because and i've said on this show and on henry's also i think i said you know i can't i can't play afghanistan you know, uh-huh. and far too close to home. Yeah, yeah, and but I can do Iraq. You know, I can do you know Askrakistan or you know some imagination <laughs> version of it, and I can do uh, Soviet Afghan war, but I can't do global war on terror in Afghanistan. And maybe I can someday. I can't right now. Um, mm. uh, just as an aside, we I tried doing. Uh, GMT's Afghanistan game uh, is it called uh, On a Distant Plane maybe while you're checking that it's interesting that you turn around and say okay I can't I can't do that and yet you've played Check Your Six uh, as almost uh, um, an homage to your relatives yeah yeah but that that ain't me (laughs) you know yeah yeah, you know, that ain't me. Um, you know, I wasn't there. I can I can distance myself. I wasn't. Yeah, in, quite. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you know, I wasn't hey. in Afghanistan in the nineteen eighties, so I wasn't in Iraq. I've got plenty of friends that went to Iraq. You know, I I know I'm not going to say he was my friend, but there was a guy in my National Guard unit that went active and he got killed in Iraq. Um, so yeah, it's you know. You know, <laughs> yeah. who knows? I don't know why. It's just I, I can't do it. Um, Tim Spikowski oh. came to uh, uh, you know I had Tim on. Tim was my sponsor when I first started. Uh, he came to J three my gaming weekend one year and put on a gorgeous uh, Afghanistan game uh, using Ambush Alley, and I, I couldn't I couldn't play it. It looked great. It looked right, and but I I, I didn't play it, but. Mm. Um, I can certainly appreciate the work that goes into it. I don't fault anybody for doing it. Um, that GMT game is called A Distant Plane, by the way. It's currently out of stock, and they're looking for, to do a P500 reprint. You can get it on a pre-order for only $54, so that ain't bad at all. No. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I started to play A Distant, <laughs> a distant Plane, and then I started having some severe gastrointestinal upset, and <laughs> oh, 
I'm I'm sure it was something I ate and not the game itself. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but even yeah, but yeah, uh, even so, as a, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, who who knows? Yeah, you know, yeah, I but, I can't say why one one thing is all right and another's not. Yeah, um, but uh, but as a but as it, a gaming community, it is something that we need to be aware of when gaming modern yeah. conflicts. Uh, you know, right. and where some people will now turn around, you know, some people obviously some of us are getting a bit longer in the tooth than others, uh, and so uh, you know, uh, and when you talk about the Vietnam War, it was like, hey, that was before I was born, sort of thing. So you know, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps again, that has a different uh, that sheds a different light on things. But you know, right. as a gaming community, it is something that we need to be aware of. Uh, from especially from those people from the outside looking in. Yes, and you can you know you can extend that to other periods as mm. well. You know you can extend that to World oh, War Two. Uh, yeah, yeah, I certainly think, yeah, so think World, World f- War Two is the obvious one. Yeah, yeah, a fetishization of a particular relatively minor, one could argue, strategically unimportant sector of the German military and how enamored some of us are with that particular organization you know uh it's it bears again this is this is deserving that was, of a, very, the, that was a very deft piece of uh, vocal dancing there <laughs> <laughs> we all know what you're talking about with actually you saying um, anything yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah uh i mean there's I think there's definitely room for more discussion on this, and it is something I plan to discuss. Uh, who I bring on to do that, I'm not sure yet, but I, I would like to discuss it further. Um, and it's going to be a tough talk, and people probably there are going to be some people who don't like it, and you know what? That's okay. Because, hey, at the end of the day, folks, with this podcast, you get exactly what you pay for. So, <laughs> um, I think... I think we've wrapped it up nicely. Don't I, you? I, I think so. I think so. It, uh, it has been re- it's it's been really good to chat and revisit it. Um, I think, as you said, uh, Vietnam is is actually a conflict I've been looking to get back into uh, in uh, uh, especially over the last mm-hmm. year or so. I've um, uh, I, I've recently rediscovered uh, that I uh, all my painted miniatures. Uh, yes, I ha- I do have actually painted miniatures for Vietnam. Those people who know me, you know, uh, yeah, be shocked. But I do have fully painted miniatures for for, for twenty eight mil <laughs> Vietnam, and 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 it's something I've been wanting to get, to get back into gaming. Uh, so this has been it's been a nice catalyst to to have a chat to yeah you know, to get back into the subject. First off, to realise, uh, yeah, I, I yeah I used to know an awful lot about the um, uh, awful lot about what was going on in the hobby in Vietnam. Uh, maybe not quite so much anymore. It's mo- it's moved on a lot, uh, but it's it's been it's been fun to find out as part mm-hmm. of the research for for coming on to chat. So uh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'm not an, I'm not an expert by any means, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm an enthusiastic amateur. Uh, so I, I really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I I'm glad you came on, Neil. Again, it's it's always great to talk to you. Uh, well, I guess this is yeah. our uh, second chat, isn't it? I've had uh, the Welsh wizard himself on a number of times. Yeah, but... yes, I yes I have noticed. Uh, I, yes, I have noticed that he's well, been on uh, more than me. I'm keeping score. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I am keeping count. <laughs> Just let you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Mike, 
Mike, I appreciate you coming on for sure. Uh, Mike Whitaker, I, I do want to talk to Mike Whitaker about 3D printing and its effect on the hobby sometime. I'm sure, I'm sure he'd love to uh, chat. And maybe you could get Tim Spikowski on also. Um, but, uh, Neil, again, a pleasure. Congratulations. I can't believe I haven't said this before. Oh, 250 fuck. episodes. Are you kidding uh, me? Thank 250. You. Uh, I, but yes. Uh, as we said recently, yeah, uh, I never thought I'd get anywhere near that when I started. Uh, yeah, wow. Uh, <laughs> can't, uh, yeah, still can't, yeah, still can't, yeah, pinch me. Can't quite believe it. But there we are. Yeah, 250. Yeah. Well, I, you know, some people, some people might complain about the format your show takes and how it rambles on and on, but you know, hey, that's that's okay. Well, your your effect on my show is that we're at about yeah. one, an hour and Sorry, 42 folks. for recording. <laughs> <laughs> I've done it again. I do apologize. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been a great discussion, uh, Neil. Thank you very much. Uh, here's to 250 more episodes for you and. Uh, the rest of the meeps and as always folks if the war game you're having isn't any fun you make it fun that is all the veteran war gamer copyright jay arnold 2018 be sure to leave a positive review on itunes if you'd like to join the discussion head to the blog at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com music courtesy of binsound dot com